0: Hello and welcome to The Coworking Club, a podcast for female business owners who want to work for themselves, not by themselves. I'm your host Jessica Berry and each week I'll be chatting to a new guest all about the realities of running your own business, sharing tips and tricks for dealing with the loneliness and isolation that comes with working from home, as well as discussing the benefits of building community through co-working. So what are you waiting for? Come and join the club. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Co-working Club. I'm so happy to have you joining me today and I'm really excited to be sharing a guest interview. And today I am chatting to not only one guest but two and this is very exciting because it's the first time I've done this but yeah today I'm going to be chatting to Jess Sims and Laura West who are the founders of The Doers. And if you're not familiar with them already, The Doers is a brand marketing consultancy which is powered by a collective of freelancers. So they take a very flexible and impactful marketing approach, which is amazing to see. And in this episode, I chat to Jess and Laura all about the decision to go into business together as friends the bumps that they've encountered along the way including a quite literal bump as Laura found out she was pregnant just a few months into setting up the business and as well as how they managed to remain friends first and business partners second. Jess and Laura share so much amazing advice about what it's really like to go into business with a friend And if you're thinking of maybe doing this or you've always dreamt of doing this, this might kind of show you some of the realities um, and kind of a behind the scenes look at what it's really like. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. The audio isn't the best in some parts, but I hope it's not too distracting. And yeah, without further ado, here is the interview. Hi Jess and Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. This is my first double interview, so very excited. (laughs) We
1: are very excited to be here. Yeah, excited to be here and to be the first double interview.
2: Very good.
0: Yeah. So do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about yourselves, your career histories and the background behind your business?
2: Yeah, so I'll kick off. I always had a desire to be creative with my career. Um, So I chose to go to quite creative university to really give me that kickstart and went to the University of the Arts London, which specifically was London College of Fashion, Um, and I ended up doing a course called Fashion Promotion, which despite its name, it wasn't actually anything to do about fashion and clothes, it was more about trends, consumer behaviour, and really how to tell a good story, Mm -hmm. and there were three pathways within that, so there was PR, journalism and broadcasting, and then in year three we specialised in one discipline, and I chose broadcasting with the view to work in TV production, so I then graduated um and suddenly realized that anyone trying to break into the TV industry had to know someone who knew someone and at that point I knew nobody. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't great. Um and I was freelancing and I think freelancing at 21 is bloody hard. Mm-hmm. Um and it just wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. And whilst I got a fair few jobs on some pretty interesting shows um I worked on the Paul O'Grady show where I got to meet lots of celebrities, which was really fun. Um, I worked on a cookery show that was filmed in the Hamptons in New York, and I was out there for a couple of months. Um, And I worked on a couple of children's TV shows as well, and then just some general assistant work at production houses. It was a bloody tough year because I wasn't prepared for freelance life at all at that age. And then a friend of mine was working at a small boutique PR agency, and they had a paid internship open up. And she felt that I'd be a really good fit for the agency. Um, and I went along and I'd, I'd always vowed not to become a PR girl, which was so judgmental thinking back. But um, <laughs> I went for this interview and expected to hate it. So I was really relaxed about it, got on really well with the team. And by the end of that day, I had a position there. Um, and then I left about four years later to help bring the American furniture retailer West Elm over to British shores. And I was with West Elm for almost five years. And whilst American corporate culture definitely wasn't for me, I learned a huge amount, made really incredible contacts and I guess gained invaluable experience that led me to wanting to give freelancing another shot. And I guess that's when the concept of The Doers came to life, which is almost two years ago now.
0: Wow so much so much variation yeah. there very interesting kind of career path and Laura do you want to give us some background on? Yeah so for me my kind of career history has always been about words and my passion with words
1: so kind of at school I was always that annoying person who was like reading all the books had done the extra reading list and took part in the debate in the speech clubs and just words 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 all the time Um, And then I went off to study literature at uni um, and whilst there stumbled across a summer internship in PR and went and did that in London and absolutely loved it, the kind of creativity, the variety, and I got to do a lot of talking and a lot of writing. (laughs) <laughs> um, and a few fun events thrown in which when you're yeah, 20 fantastic and so exciting so after uni I then decided to go full-time into PR and started working in a big PR agency in their um, public sector and behavioral change team so quite serious stuff I was working with the Department of Health DEFRA the Foreign Office Um, but one of the things I really enjoyed was taking the kind of dry news stories something quite serious and kind of turning them around a bit and making them quite engaging for a more consumer mass market audience and finding ways of telling stories to people that might not read them normally so that kind of led me over to the consumer team where I worked on all sorts of stuff health beauty food drink condoms hair care all sorts of stuff (laughs) Um, but one of my main frustrations I found when I was in agency was like the sign-off processes and the number of brilliant ideas that would come up from various brainstorms that would never see the light of day because it went down you know the decision-making process and all the sign-off and it it never got the go-ahead or people were too nervous to give it a try and I started to feel a bit like a tiny tiny part of a big machine and felt I could there was more impact to be had so I, I moved in house worked at a really great charity called Maggie's create beautiful cancer support centers across the UK and here my role was less PR much more brand building and I was able to see how all the different parts of marketing came together and knew I didn't want to do kind of just PR again and I really liked working across digital social media being involved with the fundraising team Um, but even here I still felt a little bit frustrated with like having an idea and it never going anywhere and I always felt like I was playing with playing it a bit safe and underselling a bit what I did. Um, so when the, like Jess came to me with the idea, idea of the doers, um, the kind of thought of being able to do our own thing and actually having ideas and running with them was
0: really exciting.
1: Um, so yeah, so we got talking and then launched into the doers.
0: Amazing. So interesting to hear both of your backgrounds and how they come together as well. So in this episode, we're going to be chatting quite a lot about Going into business with friends. So you've touched on you've you've started the doers together, but how and when did you first meet and become friends? So we actually
2: met at work. We worked together at that first PR agency that I started at. And I always laugh about this now, but Laura in fact managed me. Ah. But we actually just clicked from day one, like both professionally and personally, we just got on really, really well. And like a lot of our colleagues and clients would turn around and say, You are the yin to each other's yang. And that's something that thankfully still rings true today, um, and is definitely kind of the basis of our both friendship and business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think even what, yeah, we, we when we worked together, Jess was creative, but need, needed needed a bit of bit of guidance, and I was very much kind of strategy focused and organisation. So the two came together really nicely, and then we went our separate ways from the agency, and actually our friendship kind of grew and grew from there. So we still saw each other pretty regularly and ended up living quite near each other in, in southwest London. Jess was at my wedding. Um, she's been like, really hands-on with all of my kids. Um, they actually call her Auntie Jessie. So she basically, oh. basically like, feels like her sister and an auntie to the kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, she comes over. We have had Christmases together. She basically has keys to my house and lets herself in. Um, <laughs> so our friendship kind of has grown and grown really over the last
2: kind of four to five years. There's no escaping me.
0: especially not now (laughs) Especially not now (laughs) so you touched on that Jess kind of approached you with the idea of the doers but where did kind of the idea originate from and did you always know you wanted to work together is it something that you chatted about kind of leading up to it
2: so we had both worked at traditional agencies and then similarly both worked in-house where we employed traditional agencies and both of us recognised that the old-fashioned kind of agency model just didn't work anymore. So I went freelance having left West Elm. And at the same time, I was seeing so many peers who had just incredible experience behind them all going freelance as well. I had built a relatively good base of clients, but I really missed kind of working with people. And, you know, I was talking to other freelancers who were all kind of feeling the same thing. And I just thought there had to be some kind of happy medium. And at the time, I called my freelance business Just Does because, I was a multi marketeer, so I didn't quite know what direction I wanted to go in. Um, and then I woke up one night and had this, well, what I like to call my 3 a.m. moment, uh, which Laura always takes the piss out of me for. <laughs> but the words the doers came to my mind at 3 a.m. And I went round to Laura's the next day and I kind of posed it to her with that name. And it kind of flowed from there. Yeah, I think at the time when Jess
1: had this 3 a.m. moment, um, I was on maternity leave with my second baby, Oliver. And he was quite a tricky baby, and I was having quite a tough time with it. And Jess had been coming around quite a lot, helping me out, giving let me have a bit of a break, and kind of at the same time talking to me about her freelance clients. And kind of we were kind of talking through some of the problems she was facing, and she was using me as a bit of a sounding board. And a few times she was saying, "Come on, join me. We could do this together." And I was like, "Oh, there's no way." Like my confidence was really low. Child, I was like, "Childcare costs. There's no way I could go freelance." And I don't think I really had the the headspace to think about it properly and she yeah then she came up with this doers idea, I I thought oh this has got legs and we we started talking about it more and more and I couldn't stop thinking about mm-hmm. it then I went back to work actually for a couple of weeks still couldn't stop thinking about it and then decided you know what let's do it so I, I called Jeff and said I'm in let's like really talk about what the doers could be and put some shape to it and I, th- I think I'd also my confidence had come back a little bit going back to work you suddenly realize After having a baby, I am capable of doing things other than nappy changes and saying peekaboo. Your brain comes back suddenly. So my confidence came back. And I kind of just had this feeling that I've been underselling myself and shrugging off what I did. And I actually wanted to do something that excited me and challenged me again. and something I'd learned from. Something that I'd be proud of and something that my kids would be proud of when Mm -hmm. they're older.
2: So yeah, so we kind of went from there, started talking about it and made it happen. What I loved most about how it all happened was how naturally it came about. And I always knew that Laura would make a great business partner because she's great at all the things that I'm not good at <laughs> and vice versa. So you need to have someone who really complements yeah. your skill sets for it to properly work. And I knew that she would be the one to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And I also knew from a personal level, she really needed that challenge. So I knew from a, you know, the friend side of things that it would be the right next challenge for her. So it kind of worked on both levels.
0: Yeah. And in these kind of early stages where you were talking about what the doers could become, did you ever feel apprehensive about going into business with a friend? Did you have any reservations at all?
2: Um, I don't think we had any apprehension about it because we had already worked together previously. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I mean, Laura, I'm sure agrees, but I knew our friendship was strong enough to really take it. And because we knew each other, what each other were like professionally, there weren't going to be any surprises along the way. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, we
1: knew what it was like to work together, and our friendship had grown from there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I knew what Jess was good at and what she needed help with, and, and she—I knew that she understood what I'm good at, what I enjoy, and what I'm not so good at, and where I need pushing. And I think, we, yes, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses professionally, but also the personal level had helped. So I understood when things were happening with Jess, and she totally understood the kind of push and pull of my family's life. And so we were able to kind of help each other and pick up the slack and understand what we were going through beyond work. So I think that balance of the two didn't I, I didn't feel too apprehensive about working together.
0: Yeah, I guess when you have developed that friendship in a professional setting, like you said, you know mm-hmm. how each other works. And, and in that sense, it might mm-hmm. be quite different, I guess, if there's a friendship that's been formed away from work. I hadn't worked ever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're kind of learning all these things for the first time, I guess. And Yeah,
1: exactly. Whereas, yeah, we found there were, well, there hasn't been any surprises. We knew what to expect
0: and um, that's
1: why it's worked, I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. Did you ever have any tricky conversations about what you would do if things didn't work out, or you felt like maybe your friendship was getting compromised? Um, I don't think we we never managed to have that conversation because we hit <laughs> a bit of a stumbling block pretty quickly.
1: So we've been it's only about what two or three weeks into us starting the doers, and I found out I was accidentally pregnant with baby number three <laughs> so, yeah. like, fantastic timing i've just had you know just quit a job and started something from scratch oh, wow. um, and it was so early on in for the doers that we hadn't really got to that point of discussing yeah what would happen if one of you know paternity leave or just ta- how we generally take tackle like time out so we kind of just got launched straight into having to deal with it really rather than talking about it before. Mm-hmm. But, we, you know, I, Jess was one of the first people I told. We talked out. I always knew she was going to be there to support me because she, you know, she'd been so involved with me and my kids before then. Um, but I also did feel pretty guilty, you know, kind of worrying that she'd have to carry the you know, strain of the business for a while whilst I was, you know, right at the end of my pregnancy and beginning of having a newborn and how that might impact our friendship as well as our working relationship. Mm-hmm. but but at the same time like Jess was, like she knew my kids, she'd seen me at my worst after baby number two so I knew she understood and she'd be there to support as much as she could I think the key was we just kept communicating with each other like it was absolutely fine calling each other whenever we needed to like Jess would pop over uh, like we'd you know cry on each other's shoulders about their <laughs> lack of sleep or clients being difficult and I think kind of ultimately we came through it stronger than we might have if we hadn't had an obstacle up front because we kind of had to lay it all out and deal with it so early on. We've just grown from there instead of having to do a lot of what ifs and maybe we just got on with it
2: really. Yeah I I completely agree and I think if we ever started to notice any cracks in our Mm -hmm. friendship I think both of us would feel comfortable enough to have a very real conversation about it and we know each other so well that we know when something's up and you know it's little things like we're even on the same cycle we know know how each other are going to be at any given time of the month so we we really know each other inside out so it it wouldn't be I think we would both be willing to sacrifice the business if we ever felt our friendship was being impacted but I don't think we would ever get to that point I
0: think that's absolutely key isn't it when you're going to be put into intense situations both kind of work and personally as you've just mentioned so yeah really important So you touched on earlier how you have kind of very different skill sets Mm. did this mean that you naturally fit into different roles within the business?
2: Yeah so the plan was that I would lead on creative strategy the implementation of that and kind of more creative client liaison and then Laura would lead on business admin and managing our freelancer collective. I'm quite scatty I'm more creative and I kind of thrive from finding creative solutions to things for clients whereas Laura's the most organised person I know (laughs) who has a very deep passion for spreadsheets. I mean there is a spreadsheet for pretty much everything (laughs) um, and she has a very methodical solution to every problem so we kind of balance each other out in that respect. Mm -hmm. I think I'm quite good at kind of going okay let's take a step back like we'll work this
1: through and kind of yeah tackling things from a different angle. It does make me sound quite boring but I do have I do have the odd good idea here and there too but you do <laughs> we always like to celebrate it when they come through but they are there sometimes <laughs> but yeah I think that's why we work well together is because we we do have different strengths and weaknesses and things we enjoy are slightly different as well so we generally know what we're good at and we stick in our lanes most of the time but we also there is some overlap inevitably and you know picking up picking up slack here and there where we need to but I think yeah generally Jess brings the creativity and I always make sure, I make sure there's consistency and I think You can't run a successful business without both of those things and that's why we work so well together.
0: Yeah definitely oh my gosh I wish I had someone picking up on the things I wasn't so good at. (laughs) (laughs) So what does a typical working day look like for both of you? Would you usually work together maybe pre-lockdown this is do you have the same working routines I guess you have big differences in terms of Laura you have children Jess you don't yeah how do you kind of manage that
2: so we've always worked remotely so either from one of our houses or various cafes around London Mm -hmm. I tend to work best in the evenings so I often stretch my days to work for the hours that I'm most creative in and Laura can attest to this, but talking to me about just about anything before ten thirty AM is never going to be productive. <laughs> um, so I make I make my day work for me. Yeah, and I
1: I generally yeah work my day around my kids. and I'm definitely not so productive in the evenings because I'm just too tired. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So there there are the odd days where I like pick my laptop up again after bed and bath time, but my hours are much more kind of nine to five. Yeah, but, and it but it kind of works. Like Jess quite often will have like a big of creativity and bashing things out in the evening, and I like I can see things popping up, but it doesn't matter. I I know she doesn't need me to respond to them, so mm-hmm. I'll look at. She knows that she'll bash away load of things, and then I'll look at it in the morning. So even though our kind of working patterns are slightly different, there's a big chunk of time in the middle of the day where we're both on it, so that's good. And then yeah, it doesn't seem to have too make too much of a problem that we have different creative times of day, and actually. Yeah, we we live really close to each other in Tooting, So that's been quite helpful. So we can work separately or we could be like, oh, this isn't working. Do you want to come over? And we could quite easily kind of get to each other's houses. Mm -hmm. And we also, we actually came up with something called We Don't Do Lonely Days. So this was something pre-lockdown that we were hosting every month. We'd work with a company called Anco, who um, kind of do that pop-up almost, freelancer working across London. So you'd be able to book your table for the day in a cafe or a bar or a hotel and kind mm-hmm. of know that you were, you, that you didn't have to feel guilty that you weren't ordering lots of food and drink and you weren't going to be asked to leave with your laptop. So yeah, so we would host those once a month, which would bring kind of our collective together, we have we always knew we had that big touch point once a month. We could see all the freelancers we work with, chat, work alongside each other, answer each other's questions and problem solve together. Mm-hmm. So that that was something that really
2: worked for us was always kind of building towards those days as well. And then I guess I guess working together, we'd always try and make sure we're working physically together at least once a week. Yeah. And it's usually on a Monday and it does tend to include wine. But yeah. <laughs> gets the creative juices flowing.
1: Sometimes the Pilates class, mostly wine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds lovely. Such a great way to, um, yeah, kickstart the week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So how have you kind of found the past three, four months since we've been in lockdown? How have you managed to stay feeling quite connected as founders during this time? Mm-hmm. Although if you used to work in remotely, I guess this is quite a typical approach.
2: <laughs> yeah, for, for us professionally, not much has changed. Um, we were already well equipped to work remotely. And, you know, we've been doing that for such a considerable amount of time that mm-hmm. it wasn't really a transition for us to get through. But For me personally, what I've really struggled with the most is not being able to escape my house. Yes. Because when you work in an office, you have to physically leave your house. And, you know, most people hate their commute, but they do have to get out and about. And kind of when lockdown started, they all were spending more time at home. And that was a bit of a novelty. Whereas for us, we were spending time within our workplace without having any kind of escape. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, say for every freelancer. And that was, you know, for freelancers, that's our chance to really switch off. So being able to go to a cafe, go for drinks, go to the pub, whatever it might be, was stripped away from us. And that meant that, I mean, my laptop was open far longer than it probably should have been. Mm -hmm. My work days were stretched more than they probably should have been as well. And I guess it's only really in the last three to four weeks that I've really managed to to get better at switching off properly and reclaiming my time.
0: Mm -hmm. it's so difficult isn't it I've always found it difficult to end my day when there's not something there's not a clear divide there so it's it's really tough I've always found that on a Friday like particularly as well like the weekends I just find I don't yeah they just don't quite feel the same I don't really get that Friday feeling (laughs) anymore because there's not a definitive end to the week I suppose
2: yeah and you you do have to be really strict with yourself when you work for yourself Mm -hmm. because otherwise you can end up working every hour of the day because there is always something to do but uh, you know I was I was in quite a good rhythm before of scheduling a exercise class or you know meeting up with friends or something at a given time in the Mm -hmm. evening so that I knew that my laptop had to be closed by then exactly and that's been taken away yeah so I guess that's been the hardest thing for Mm -hmm. me definitely
0: really missing um coffee shop working at the moment just a Mm -hmm. nice change of scenery (laughs) yeah
1: exactly yeah and it's like decompression I find if you're yeah if you're if you're literally working in a room in your house you hit whatever time you know be it because you're looking after the children or it's just the end of the day and it's dinner time there's no like decompression you'll suddenly go from like work mind to family mind mm-hmm. and there's no switch off in between so normally I find you know I'd, I'd be walking to nursery to get the kids say, or get a jump on a tune mm-hmm. and I'd have half an hour 20 minutes to kind of finish thinking about work make a few notes on my phone maybe things I don't want to forget but then by the time I got to my kids I'd be like right that's done. Whereas now I'm like all over the place. I walk downstairs and the kids are there and I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, I'm still thinking about work and I don't want to, I don't want to be looking at my phone because I'm with you, but there's just no decompression. It's just like from one thing to the next mm-hmm. with no pause in between. Yeah that's, been, yeah, that's obviously one of the hardest things I've found over lockdown It's just been the juggling, juggling three kids under four mm-hmm. at home, running a business. me and my husband were taking it in shift so he'd work the morning and I'd have the kids and then we'd swap after lunchtime but it was so yeah exhausting I'd come to the desk and just be like oh I've been looking after the children since 6am I've got my brain is fried already I can't possibly now do
0: some work oh my goodness I feel like yeah I've got nothing to complain about when that's what you've been facing because yeah that's very difficult
1: and guilt it was just constant you know it's like oh I'm not spending enough time with the kids or when I'm with them I'm not present enough because I'm still half thinking about work or something mm-hmm. happening or I feel guilty because I'd be like ah, oh Jess. you know I'm working half the time I normally would really um Jess is picking up on all the slack so I feel guilty for Jess so it was just like exhaustion guilt screaming children <laughs> all, the, all of it all in one <laughs> but like in terms of like connection actually I think it's been quite good me and Jess have spoken like, every day multiple times a day mm-hmm. almost more than we did before lockdown in a way really and mm. um, kind of quite structured in it as well we kind of around nine thirty, yeah. ten. We 10 have a good catch-up and kind of set you know what are you doing today what can I help with what do we what do we need to do together so it's been quite good and I think because we're not dashing around all over the place we've been quite focused and actually quite productive so there's some kind of good things and bad things I think I think yeah, don't miss the constant mm. rush, rushing around. That but would but would enjoy a bit of a change of scene. But I've yeah. also yeah, I've also found the days that I can can sit down and crack through have been really productive. So yeah, good good and bad things coming from lockdown, I think
0: yeah definitely that's seems to be a theme kind of across the board I think that yeah it's not not purely been kind of a negative put everything on hold kind of state there's definitely been some positives as well yeah so I guess you touched on earlier kind of a bump in the road I guess you could say that you faced early on in your business but have there been any others that have been kind Um, of difficult to work around um,
1: yeah I was gonna say definitely the biggest bump was my was my bump
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) your actual actual bump
1: bump. (laughs) Yeah, we've, there's been a few things which I think are kind of part and parcel of starting a business. So, just you know, expectations, managing clients, making sure we're delivering, like lots of things that you kind of just learn. You know, ad, the admin side of it, learning about doing our own bookkeeping and that, mm-hmm. corporation tax and invoicing people, and we just Yeah, lots of things we've been learning along as we go along and kind of fine tuning our. I think we've evolved our offering quite a lot as we're learning some things that haven't quite worked or clients that maybe we didn't quite deliver what they were expecting. So making sure that we're really clear going forward. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you think, Jess.
2: I think maybe not necessarily a bump, but when we originally put our business plan together, we had planned to have a very steady stream of clients get really comfortable with that and how we're operating and then bring in this freelancer collective and we didn't quite realize how quickly our collective would grow or that people would even be interested in it in the way that they have been which has been amazing and we've you know we've now got 170 180 freelancers within our collective but that spun our business plan completely, and we didn't really have time to kind of catch up with it or revisit it. And we got to the point where we wanted to find bigger projects that allowed us to bring in the freelancers we were meeting, but then we had to work through the projects we'd already kind of committed to and didn't quite have the budget all the time to allow for bringing them into play. So it was, it was kind of this weird spin moment where we were like, do we get rid of some clients to make way for new ones that we can then bring the collective into place sooner than planned? And I guess it was just a bit of a pivot that we hadn't expected.
1: Yeah, we were kind of being inundated with emails and being like, ah, I've got time to respond to them and we need to rethink this and make sure we do have time to respond mm-hmm. and, yeah, maybe shift a bit of a bit of our time away from the client work to do so, but then you obviously need the client work to pay the bills. Yeah, the, yeah that kind of <laughs> balance between the two kind of hit us much, mm-hmm. much sooner than we thought it would or planned to, yeah.
2: Yeah I think in our first our first business plan we had put the objective to have 10 people as part of our collective by year one and by the end of year one we had over 100 so
0: oh, wow. it
2: was um yeah a little bit um faster growth plan than we had anticipated.
0: Yeah amazing that there was that interest there though. Yeah definitely. So I'm sure many listeners will be interested in how you manage to run a successful business and maintain a friendship on top of that so do you have any tips for achieving balance between the two yeah so I have one word uh which is boundaries (laughs) I guess
2: we've always known that in order for both our business and our friendship to thrive we had to set some kind of clear boundary in place and I mean thankfully they came pretty naturally to us both But it's little things like when our laptops close, so does the work chat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whilst the odd question can creep in every now and then, that's fine. For the most part, we do stick to it. And we also make time for socialising away from work. So it might just be a dinner at one of our houses or we'll go out for dinner or just a few drinks. Or I'll schedule some hangout time with Laura's kids. And I guess that always helps to reset any kind of work strains if we're feeling any. Mm -hmm. Yeah definitely
1: and one of the things we did which really helped was um creating a whatsapp group for work so we have our you say, know, laura and jess personal whatsapp chats about everything going on outside of work and then we keep all of our work chat onto a work
0: wow. whatsapp group mm-hmm. and and slack that's a really good idea i like that yeah
1: so it just means instead of glancing and saying i've got messages from jess and kind of checking is it work or is it personal I know that if it says "yes," it's personal. And if it says "work," it's, it's work. Yeah. And if I'm not in work mode, I just won't look at it properly until I am. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that—that's. I think that's really, really helped. And then the other thing is like, just communication. We're just—we've known each other for a while. We're really open and honest with each other. Like we touched it before, but like we all have off days, and like we know we can really tell when well, one of us isn't at our best. We embrace it we acknowledge it, we laugh about it, We work around it, you know, if one of us is just feeling crap, like, just go and take a couple of hours off, like, what is what is urgent, what needs to be done, come on, not all of this needs to be done, go and have a cup of tea and watch TV for a bit, so we're just really open and honest, so there's no kind of sitting on bad feelings or tiptoeing around each other, When one of us is in a bit of a grump, we're just really open about how we're feeling all the time and,
2: and work around each other when we need to. Hands up, that it's usually me that's in the grump, and <laughs> Laura's always <laughs> Just go and have a cup of tea, pour yourself a glass of wine, so go nice. for a walk. <laughs> I just want take, to
1: take today off, Jeff. Yeah. Like, oh, really I don't
0: need to take, take time off. And I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have an excuse, though, if you want to, if you want to take Laura up on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've just touched on some of the key qualities that you have within your friendship and kind of professional life as well. But do you think it really takes a certain type of friendship to be able to go into business together and succeed as well, I suppose? Yeah, 100%. I think if you think
2: about most of your friendships, you're friends with that person either through university or school, or hobbies or mutual contacts. And whilst you probably know their personal lives inside out, you don't really have any idea what they're like professionally. Mm-hmm. And whilst we probably all strive for being the same person at work as we are at home, the reality is we're probably not. And I guess it's really imperative that you, you know what someone's like in a working environment before you choose to work together, because there can be some big discrepancies between the two. And I think having you know that, well, that lack of knowledge is the fundamental downfall to most friendship businesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's luckily something we've managed to avoid.
0: Yeah that's so funny you say that because during lockdown there's been so many funny memes and tweets about people being around their other halves or their friends whoever they live with yeah, exactly. and actually getting to see their work selves and like it's being like, yeah. a completely different person which is really funny. Yeah and then you're
1: like no, oh you're that person oh really
0: that.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well I've been listening into some of um, my husband's conversations and I'm like wow Gosh, yeah. I mean, you, some of the words you use, I've I never heard you say them before. You're so corporate. <laughs> Very different. Yeah, so yeah, I definitely think it's, I guess it's hard if you haven't worked together to explain to one another how you work. But I guess it's maybe doing a SWOT analysis of yourself in work and trying to share that together or something like that. So you get a bit of an understanding of how you work and what makes you tick. But yeah, other, other than that, I think it is really just being honest and, if you're friends you should be able to be honest with each other and have blunt conversations and know that you're doing it from the mm-hmm. for the right reasons and making sure you do have that boundary between business and personal with the friends like knowing that when it's okay to talk about work when it's not and just keeping those boundaries really mm. strong it's really important
0: yeah definitely great advice so So, what is the number one piece of advice you'd give to anyone who is maybe thinking about going into business with a friend or just getting started out?
2: I would say you need to make sure you both know each other's professional strengths and weaknesses, but I'd also recommend discussing kind of the what ifs up front. So, you know, what if your business partner gets pregnant, or what if they want a sabbatical, or what if they get sick? Like, discussing what those outcomes are Mm -hmm. and just knowing that there aren't going to be any kind of hiccups along the way is actually really important
0: yeah and no surprises yeah learn from
2: us learn (laughs) from us um
1: and you can you can even write a contract as well about you know this is what i know i know i'm good at this is what i know you're good at if you need to have a bit of a this is how we're divvying up the work this is what we understand to be our strengths and weaknesses and kind of have it in writing some people find that really helps Mm -hmm. um i think discussing what you both want to get out of the business so is it is it creative fulfillment is it Mm -hmm. all about money? like how long are you, you know, is this something you just want to do for a year or do you both want to be kind of doing it for five, ten years? What's your kind of long-term game plan? And I do think another big thing to to talk about is money. Mm. So I think it's really important to discuss this up front. So like what are your money situations like pre going into business? Like what sort of money does each of you need to be making to pay the bills? What What kind of money do you both want to be making beyond that? Um, and being honest with each other, you know, if you're a spender or a saver, so there's like no surprises when you're kind of working out the best way to meet each of your financial goals. Mm -hmm. So with me and Jess, I'm a saver, she's a spender, but so we knew that and we know when we approach, when we look at things, I'm going to be more conservative and Jess is going to be a bit more splashy and we kind of meet in the middle. But it wasn't a surprise because we knew knew that about each other already. So I think it is important Mm -hmm. to talk about your kind of money profile as well.
2: Yeah, and I think on that point for us, money piece is very different for the two of us um you know I I'm very reliant on my income as Laura's but in different ways um because she does have a husband that's also bringing in income as well um Mm -hmm. and I I don't think Laura realized how much I necessarily needed the money at the beginning um and I guess that's something we worked through in the first few months at least yeah just so she had an understanding of the kind of money I needed to earn each month mm-hmm. because that does change the balance in terms of who's taking what out of the business and you know what what we actually need to be doing to bring in income as well yeah because I have
1: that like, high childcare care cost for example but yeah
2: I have a fallback on my husband so if we've had a bad
1: month you know I can go I can wait a bit to get take my salary if, if needs be whereas Jess can't so we kind of making sure we understood that uh, once you know, early on and working that into our financial planning and salaries and all that kind stuff is, is like definitely something to think mm. about I think sometimes friends are uncomfortable to talk about money and maybe mm. you know discussing what they might have earned before and how that differs
0: but I think it's really important to have that honest conversation up front yeah definitely really important and I guess if you're not comfortable having those kind of discussions then you shouldn't you're probably not <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. you don't talk about it at the start you'll definitely be
1: talking about it at the end of month one
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. <laughs> so finally the question that I'm asking all of my guests if location wasn't a factor which three fellow business owners would you like to be in your co-working club and you can have three each so this is the hardest question <laughs> I mean I think I, I think I wrote a list
2: of like 50 people that I thought of and um <laughs> it was quite hard to condense it down but I would say my three would be Sarah Aquazombie who is a Absolute powerhouse. And, you know, I've I watched her career take off from day one, and she deserves every damn bit of success that she's getting right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so great to see. But I find watching her Instagram stories, you just feel instantly inspired. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. And just having her around every day, I think, would bring a very good energy. Yes.
0: I'm doing her um accelerator program at the moment. Oh, are you? Yes. And it's oh, amazing. Yeah, amazing so far. And we're yeah. literally in the first week. So. Yeah, she's incredible.
2: I think my second, this is a bit of a geeky one, but <laughs> would be Jane Manchin Wong, who, if you don't follow, you should follow her on Twitter. She is basically the person to follow for finding out whatever the next big thing is going to be on social media. Um, so she basically hacks all the social media channels. She's a professional hacker and she finds out what they're going to be launching next. So her updates really keep you at the forefront of kind of your social media game. So when you're talking to a client, casually dropping in what could be launching next year for Instagram Mm -hmm. you know it it works really well from a planning perspective so I would love to see her hacking in action (laughs) and I think my final one would be Michelle Obama yes there's there's something about her that's just so inspiring I just feel like she just put a massive smile on everyone's faces with everything she says
0: yeah definitely I think she's going to end up being our most suggested person so oh god I'm cliche no no it's a great one
1: for <laughs> me I struggle with this as well because mainly I just feel like I can't think of people's names and I just go into like <laughs> baby brain mode um but I think for me um, I would have Frankie and Steve from doing it for the kids podcast oh, yeah. if you know that one yeah, um of it. yeah so it's a community aimed at people that freelance or work for themselves around their kids their podcast is like 20-30 minutes a week and literally I just laugh out loud every single week. <laughs> I've never met them in real life and I, but I feel like I know them already. Uh, learn loads for them each week and also they always talk about food and biscuits, so I feel like they would always turn up to the space full of goodies, which would be
2: I actually think they're about to take out a restraining order on Laura because she loves it <laughs> so <know> much. It's <laughs> like every time someone asks
1: for a recommendation, I'm like doing it for the kids. thank you. you can do it for the kids. I need to meet her, that's what needs to happen. <laughs> um oh, and then oh, I think i just have everyone from queer eye just all five of them right there like our hair would be perfect we'd have like the perfect french tuck they'd lift us all up. they'd inspire us our confidence would be brilliant brilliant i so that basically means i've i've got seven people in my k working club so i'm i'm full cheat that's quite
2: all right i'll let you off don't worry
0: (laughs) and to end you just want to let people know where they can find you online
2: yeah so we're basically the doers uk on pretty much every channel um and then our website is the doers.co.uk
0: perfect well thank you so much for chatting with me today it's been lovely thanks so much for having us yeah thank you for having us it's been lovely it has been a pleasure if you enjoy this podcast please do subscribe so you keep up to date with all the future episodes And if you could possibly leave a review, it would really help us in this early stage of launching the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you back here next Monday.